And you are now tuned into another episode of My Skin Is My Sin Presents Intellectually Petty Radio. And tonight we have the distinct honor and privilege of welcoming MC, educator, father, and overall just dope-ass individual, Mr. Vernon Thompson, to the conversation. How you doing, King? Um, peace, everyone. It's a, it's a blessing um, to be with Intellectual Petty Radio and my skin is my sin so it's a blessing and an honor for me to be here that's dope that's dope man um and we were talking a little bit before we got on air we were just talking about bridgeport um which is yes. where you're from um and like i said i've been there before and i got a chance to uh uh go to black wall street yeah and that's that's where i actually i was there i was actually the host so that's oh, where wow. i heard about you that was years ago. Yeah, that was years ago. My father actually purchased some stuff um, from your booth, but that's where I heard about you. Um, yeah. So that's probably why I've, I've been following you. But I was actually the event host, and um, I would I, I'm still connected. I'm still the spokesperson, but mm-hmm. I was the spokesperson for Black Wall Street Bridgeport at that time. So that's where I heard about you, um, wow. and I've, I did not I've know been that. following you on instagram since then so i was actually there jeez i wish you had yeah, said was, something I, bro that's fucking dope. i was the host you know so yeah, yeah that's, that's probably a- why i've been following you on on social media and you know what's crazy man is i um i went down there because of el dorado uh-huh never met the guy from a can of paint yeah i drove all the way from cleveland to bridgeport by myself yeah and him and his queen were the two nicest individuals I had ever just come across. Like they yep. were ridiculous. Yeah, shout Bridge, out to Bridgeport was dope. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Yep. So so why education, bro? Well, you know, just to be honest, um there, there's certain paths that God leads you on. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't go to college with the desire for education. Um I was a business major. I started off at Howard University. I was an athlete, um, but I got the opportunity to play Division One basketball at Quinnipiac University, which was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So I was a business major, and entertainment was what I really wanted to delve into um, in the marketing field, and I was also into the artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but being an athlete, you don't have the opportunity to go and intern with companies because in the summer you're preparing for the season and you're in summer school. So when I got out of college, you know, you get out of college and it's like a whirlwind hits you because, Mm -hmm. you know, and at that time, um, the laws on um, health insurance had changed. So I didn't have health insurance. (laughs) Things had changed and I had to figure something out. So I had an internship lined up in New York City. Um, and it was just a runaround. The entertainment game is a runaround. It was political, and it was a situation where I wasn't getting paid. Um, but um, the intern that I was replacing ended up wanting to stay, and it fell through. So I just got a job as a teacher's assistant, mm-hmm. and really because it was decent pay, it was benefits, and it would give me the flexibility to pursue entertainment. But mm-hmm. while I was uh, a, a paraprofessional, 
I saw the education that the students were getting. And I felt like as a black male, based on the education that I received, I felt like I could challenge them more. Mm-hmm. And from then, I, I went to the principal at the time um, and I said, how can I get in the classroom? And she gave me a blueprint. Um, she told me I just needed to go back. It was a therapeutic day program, which deals with the most difficult students, students mm-hmm. who the public school said, look, we can't handle them. They need to go to your placement. Uh, so she gave me the instructions. She said, look, if you go back, get 12 uh, master's credits in special education, I can mm-hmm. start you in the in the classroom as a long term substitute. And then from there, you now have to pursue certification. So that was my route in. I was there. I felt like I could contribute more. Mm-hmm. And I really just grew from there. But it was not in in my plans. And that that's a situation that shows you uh, many times God has the plan. And, you know, we will be smart to tap in early or to tap into those strengths. But it's something that I didn't plan on doing. I kind of landed there and I grew into that area. Man, I don't like kids enough to do that, man. Salute to you, bro. You know, when you're in college, and I didn't, you know, when you're in college, it's not something you fantasize about, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, You don't fantasize about working with students, especially in urban neighborhoods and in inner cities. It's not something you romanticize about. Um, but I ended up there and I ended up growing within the field. Any regrets? No, I don't have any regrets because, you know, I think all of my gifts have have aligned Mm -hmm. um, and things are still aligning. Um, But I think, you know, I wanted to be in the rap game. That was my goal. And I wanted to also use the fact that I had a degree to enter the business. So I felt like I was a, a very, very serious threat in the sense that I had the education mm-hmm. and I also understood the culture. But I think um, right now it's a great um, connection between both things, the music, I understand the culture and I understand the need for the message. Um, so I, I don't have any regrets um, because I thank God for the way that things have fell into place. Um, so there, there are no regrets, you know. Um, I don't call it a regret, mm-hmm. but I think you. the one thing that I, I encourage, um, wherever you're at in your life, you want to take deep dives and look at your strengths and mm-hmm. figure out where your strengths will place you. And sometimes we don't make decisions based on our strengths. Um, we, we make these decisions based on maybe things that we want to do or how we want to look or what we want to attain. Yeah. But you really want to tap into your strengths. And I can't say that I totally mm-hmm. understood that at that time. It wasn't something that I thought about um, as deeply. Um, but it is important to really tap in to your strengths and make the best decisions, make the wise decisions. Cause time is really, I don't want to say what we're up against, but time is something we have to capture and take full advantage of. Yeah. So in that regard, it is important to really be in tune with yourself, to be in tune spiritually, to seek spiritual guidance. And most importantly, understand yourself 
and be honest with yourself when you're in the mirror about what you're good at, um, what your strengths are. And that those are places that you want to tap into. You are definitely an MC, bro. Like, let's get that out the way. Thank you. And, and I and I think people do you a uh, 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 misjustice. Is that a word? Um, by saying you're an educator who raps, you're an MC who educates. Well, not so. I tell people first. Um, I was an so MC. You got bars, bro. Thank you, man. I was an MC first, so there is no way that being an educator can come before being an MC because in the plan it was an MC first, and then education came second. So mm -hmm. I'm an MC who became an educator. I'm not, I'm not a person who, you know, and I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not a per. I was really in the mix. I was battling. Um, shout out to my my group that I started with, Catch Twenty Two. Um, my partner, Sober Sobey. Oh, um, you say you was battling? We were destroying people. That's just just the bottom line. Mm. That's mm. that's. <laughs> um, but but see, right now, my and I don't have that same ego. But that's what we came into the game with mm -hmm. in the '90s of of really proving that you were MC. Uh, right. But I I understand artistry a little different at this stage of my life and just being more mature. That it is about the message. It is about being able to create great music um, that speaks to the time, that speaks to the culture. But I'm an MC first, you know. That's that's where I started, you know. And you you got uh, some people on YouTube that wanted to say hello to Tarifs and Simon said what's good. Please, um, man. Apparently, you're a dope individual. I I, I kind of already knew that though. Um, so how do you get to like your your storytelling is immaculate. Thank you. And, and and you definitely got a soft spot. Like like there's a couple of Brenda's got a babies, so to speak. Um, like like a young girl. Yeah, the L Boogie sample on that was fucking phenomenal, by the way. Thank you, man. And, and I did that. People are just starting to touch it, but I actually did that about twelve years ago, um, and I just held on to it because mm -hmm. um, when I stepped into education, I didn't really um, plan on coming back out, um, but I felt like you know there were messages mm -hmm. that were necessary, and I also felt that it was important to connect my connection with the culture or to utilize my connection with the culture to maintain my connection with the students mm -hmm. who were my first responsibility to serve. Um, so um, just like uh, um, the minister stated that a, a hip hop record can speak more volumes than a sermon. So I felt like I can't hold on to some of these messages and some of these ideas, mm -hmm. um, they need to be released. But what, a lot what of these students think. Um, I mean, I get great responses. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had a student ask me last month. They were like, "Mr. Thompson, if you, 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 if you get a deal, are you gonna still work here?" And I said, "I said definitely." You know, so um, there is respect. Um, but why, I think. Why? What'd you say? Why? Why would I? And that's no disrespect to the children. Um, I guess the way I'm looking at it is the impact would be a lot greater 
you know, I mean, you, it all depends on what type of deal, though. You know, yeah. so that's 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 like the 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 bottom line of it. But that was a question that a student had. Mm-hmm. But I do think the importance is that I've tapped into a culture that is important to them, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the major thing. Um, and they need to see that I'm a human like them. That um, I I listen to music. I create music. I'm into things very similar to what mm-hmm. they're into. So so who's producing uh, most of your music? Um, I do most of the production uh, for so my. That's you with all the samples. And I tapped into a few different producers to work uh-huh. on this. Daddy. Hold on, my son, Vernon. You got to go in there with mommy. Oh, oh my God. All right. You got to go ask mommy. Yeah. Yeah, that never gets old right there. Yeah. Um, ask him on his position with the youth in Bridgeport meaning crime. Um, That's kind of vague there, son. So I'm not, do you, you know what you're talking about, bro? Well, you know, let me tap into where he's going. Okay. It, it's, um, it's a very serious serious topic um, <laughs> it's okay bro we got we all got kids man yeah i've been there so just in terms of the crime it, it's a it's a very very serious thing mm-hmm. um and in terms of education um it is a a serious serious challenge because we run into a lot of the serious situations from the streets Mm-hmm. kind of bleed over into the school building so it's very challenging um but i think we're in a place where systematically we have a population and you it, it's cleveland being no different from bridgeport where there there is a population that needs to be addressed differently mm-hmm. and the comprehensive public school high school is not the place to address that because if we look to address the issues of those who are deep in the streets, deep in the gang life, have already um, shot a gun at somebody, been shot at. They're bringing that type of trauma into the building, into a place that's not really built to address that level of trauma. Somebody that's been shot at is is rarely going to be comfortable within a school setting, especially when there's people who they've had a problem with. Yeah. Um, so these things are really, really deep. And the sad thing is when you look at every city, the majority of our, our youth are not caught into the lives of crime. But there's nothing systematically set up to support the students who have been caught up in the streets already. Um, because you're not going to be able to pull them out of juvenile and throw mm-hmm. them back into the high school. Right. Their therapeutic needs are vastly different. Um, and we have to relook and rethink education and look at how we really support that population of students. Um, if we look at it, most schools, I, I look at the percentage and mm-hmm. I think Bridgeport, for example, we have about 5,000 high school students and me going at the highest possible number, 150 are heavy in the streets. That's okay. not, it's not as big of a problem as we make it, but the solution is wrong. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we're addressing it appropriately. Um, I think we do have to be, a lot of females uh, push back 
um, on one of the, um, I, I did an interview with a brother from Baltimore. He was talking about tough love and mm-hmm. a lot of females got upset and they were saying, well, what love shouldn't, that it was tough love and this and, but there comes a time where we have to be very, very serious. Our community has to be serious about what's happening enough to say, um, this can't be tolerated in our schools. We haven't, right. we as, we as black people, we, we, we beat around the bush too much. Um, and there's certain stuff that should not be happening in our schools and yes. our institutions of education. You can't come here to jump on nobody. You can't come here to jump on a teacher. You can't come here to smoke in the bathroom. It's a lot of foolishness that we we uh, uh, tolerate. And those things become behaviors because communities are not supportive of, of pretty much uh, putting the ax to that stuff and saying, our schools will be higher level institutions of learning. If you want to do this other stuff, we need to bring you somewhere else where we can help you with these other issues. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the high, the same high standards as, as, let's say, some of our suburban towns. They're not going to tolerate certain nonsense in their institutions. And I, I see, I, I got to push back a little bit because they do tolerate it. We just don't hear about it. They do not punish theirs to the level that we punish ours for the exact same act. I can't say I, I can't. It, I got to. You get caught smoking weed as a white kid in a rich, a rich school. You just got caught. Well, see, that's a small that's thing. That's a small one. Because even in urban, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get. We're not putting you out of school for that. You know what I mean? We're not saying you need something else. Our uh-huh. recommendation is let's get you support. So that's that's something I think we all kind of have sensitivity to. Uh-huh. But I mean, like the extremes, uh, we do have to. I get we, what you're saying though. Yeah, we do have to put our foot down on some extreme situations yeah, yeah, that are intolerable. I mean, I think especially now with 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 the legalization, um, it's not a big as big a thing as it was five years ago. Um well, let me let me ask you this. Is there ever a point where you just give up on a kid as a result of their parents? I uh, I gotta be honest. Mm-hmm. This this is my point. That's why you need something else, because there is there is a point um, within a comprehensive high school mm-hmm. where there's certain uh, it's a it's a and it's a tough spot for me as as in my position. There is a point mm-hmm. where this isn't the place for some students. But and the, and the big thing that we have to look at as a community is, well, what is the place for them? What and that's that's those are challenging questions. There yeah. are there are some students who will come every day to do nothing. Yeah. But really just hang out, pull other students from where they need to be and, and really just waste time. Yeah. And I think at those points you have to say and that's where a tough love has to come in. And Chris M. Den had a quote that, that I, I, I stick by. He mm-hmm. says, um, you can't make everybody woke, but you could make sleep uncomfortable. And there there comes a time for, mm-hmm. for some students where you if you want to be sleep, I'm not going to let you comfortably come here and be a loser. 
it's going to be uncomfortable and there's a point where it has to stop so though and it's not it's not an easy easy thing because systematically we don't have enough for those populations of students they need something different they need a different level of therapeutic support mm-hmm. um, they need something different um and that's that's where we're at um it's it's challenging but there's small populations that need a different mm-hmm. um, amount of support because once you've been shot at once yeah. you shot at somebody you 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 it's hard to comfortably sit in the classroom yeah that's say, a whole different dynamic i'm gonna but this these are the realities for small yeah. populations and pockets of students um these these are the the difficult realities um that we're that we're facing and one thing that i've seen is even our juvenile system um mm-hmm. i do think we have to not that we want to institutionalize um young men but when you tap them on the wrist and you keep sending them back to situations that they have to protect themselves um, and they don't have the parental parental structure to navigate that. Like I saw one kid, Mm -hmm. um, he continued because of his trouble, you know, he was locked away. But while he was locked away, he was getting all of his credits and they were telling me, look, he's a model student. Mm-hmm. This is and this is a true, true story. Okay. He's locked away. The institution is saying, look, he's a model student here. He got all his freshman credits. He's, wow. he's let's transition him back to high school. Mm-hmm. They transition him back. He never came to school. And he got picked up for murder recently. Oh, wow. So I'm just saying, so, I, I mean, the question is, as from a systematic standpoint, one of the ideas me and El Dorado talked about, um, and his school, Maya Angelo, actually has a component where you're in their residential, they feed you well, you get educated, you get your diploma, you may have time to still serve. But I think once they complete high school, let's now mm-hmm. set them up with what's next, a trade, if they want to go to college, I think there is a point where systematically, if we know that the home can't take responsibility for this young man, can't mm-hmm. control this young man or woman, what do we have in place? And as a people, what do we create to support those type of families? Um, so let, let me ask you this. Yeah. What, as a community, what are we doing wrong where we are not getting more young brothers to be the next Vernon Thompson? Well, I think one, you know, I think what I've learned this year is we parents have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, we as a community, we are not an honest community. We sugarcoat everything <laughs> and we just don't keep it honest. True. And and to me, that's the biggest, biggest issue. It's just we have to really really be honest with ourselves and that's the that's just the first stage of things we really have to be honest with where things are at where situations are at and what we will allow you know um that's that's the start mm-hmm. i think it's honesty is the beginning um of turning things around and that's the big thing our community lacks 
you know, we're not honest about what's going on with some of our populations. I -hmm. think also we're not honest at the numbers. It's not a lot of kids. It's not everybody. But if you allow a small number to operate in a certain way without support and it's high level therapeutic support, you're going to see this continuous, continuous um, damage being done. You know, it's it's difficult, though, bro. And I'll tell you why. The smaller numbers nowadays are able to make a much louder noise. That's that's a major thing. And that's that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, And this is where we're not honest as a community, too. You'll find people like there's no answer. Like what you're saying with it being difficult. Mm -hmm. One thing is you got to be honest. You also have to be honest in the fact that you don't have an answer. Yeah. There's no it's like guarding Steph Curry. Like you you really don't have a way to shut him yeah. down. You but you gotta hold the brook. You gotta try everything. Yeah. Or fighting Floyd Mayweather. It's he's one of the guys you don't have an answer, but like Mike Tyson said, you gotta make it a dirty fight. You gotta try everything. And it, it's one of those things, but when you get egos up there and everybody, I, well, I got the answer, we not doing this. And if y'all did that, and if the school did that, and it is not that simple. It's not that simple. How do you turn it off at the door? Like, how do you not live with that at night? Um, you know, I honestly, um, the relationship, there's a lot of joy. I find joy in what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up, I mean, like I have a lot of good moments. I mean, there are some difficult, difficult moments, Mm -hmm. but I think at the end of the day, there's no student that I've encountered, no matter how they feel about the situation, they can't say that I cared Mm -hmm. or that I was honest um, or that I I, I let them know where things were going and what I was going to have to do if it went another way. Um, I sleep well knowing that there was an effort but outside of that it's just majority joy in really being able to find moments with our youth so i mean they're they're why they're difficult situation there's just a lot of good moments um working in urban high schools it's not that's silly too though black black folks silly man even in high school (laughs) yeah I know they keep you rolling in class. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's so many uh, great moments that you just encounter that, I mean, I enjoy every day. Like, this is something that I wake up in the morning and um, I'm I'm excited to get at. The harder parts, though, um, just to be honest, the most difficult thing Mm -hmm. that I face, especially in administration, is having to go through with an expulsion hearing. That's that's one of the hardest things because it's almost like it's by the book. Um, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. I don't have a choice to ignore it. And we really just have to look at factual things. It's almost like being a prosecutor. And that that has been one of the hardest, hardest parts of the job for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's taught me a lot. And that taught me more than anything, mm-hmm. um, that I have to be more, more, more honest. Like my biggest lesson in this school year 
Um, this was my first year as an administrator where I had to do expulsion hearings and you sit with a family, you sit with a student and you go over an infraction that broke the code of conduct. And you really, really, I just learned I had to be honest because, you know, sometimes our people are not truthful about what will happen, what the consequences are, and what we need to change mm-hmm. and how we fix this. What's the solution at the end? So those are the hardest things. Discipline is not is not easy, but I try to do it in a way that our my students can one respect. Sometimes parents don't even understand. I had mm-hmm. one kid one day and his his mother was like going off and he was like, you know what? Put her on hold. He was like, I got it, mister. I was about to give him a couple days. <laughs> and he was like, man, I understand what you're talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. I said, yeah. since you understand, we done. You don't got to do no days. We we set my main thing with discipline too that I think has helped me and helped me with students is my main thing is the process. Do you process what went wrong and what right. you can do differently? That that's more what we're looking at. Um, what's what how do we learn from situations? Yeah, see, I'm I'm petty, man. I would have punished you just because of your mama. I was close to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he was so he was so real. I said, you know what? We gonna, but he was the first one to say, you I don't know what she's talking about. I understand you. She's bugging. I said, you know what? You so real, I'm gonna let you. I, I'm a you know. I gotta respect that though. That's very gangster yeah. on that yeah. kid's part. Yeah. Um, that position is proof that this system is not for us. Now, you know, the thing is, and, and I, under, I understand where they're coming from. This is, we have dynamics that we that we need. The system is not. But Dr. Umar gave me um, quality advice. And a lot of people criticize him. I'm not here to, but I'm, I'm not here to go into that. You know, I'm not We're here not gonna to talk say, about the school. And I'm not here to say that he's... <laughs> But, you know, I met him when I was young, before I got mm-hmm. into administration. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot. I saw him. I saw Steve Perry. I saw a lot of brothers mm-hmm. doing their own thing. And I said, look, doctor, should, do I need to do my own thing, too? Because mm-hmm. I don't see this system working. And he said, well, this is the thing you think about. If you leave the table, then who's at the table? Who do we have at the table just think about that part of it. And that helped me kind of stay at the table. Um, the person who made the comment is correct. The system is not totally for us, but we got to be honest. <clears throat> A large percentage of our neighborhood is going to be forced to go through it. Yeah. So we should create. We have Brother Marcus Klein in Chicago. We have some great systems being created. And you're mm-hmm. right. We got to create some other systems. Um in order to help everybody. This system can work for a good amount of students, the public school system. It works for some students, but yeah. there's some students who have a different level of therapeutic need. When you've seen, they say a child who's had, by the age of three, two traumatic experiences is in a survival mode. Mm. And when you're in those modes, when where you're living at is a state of survival, you need a different level of therapeutic understanding. I love kids. 
and and that's that's what has helped me um and those are the things that we need but we need more than just this it can't be we will not fix our problem see a lot of people are expecting and this is the point that i'm making mm-hmm. they're expecting the public school system to fix these problems yeah and it, it's not the all it's not the solution we need other things we need other programs we need other things to create create it to support our unique population even yeah. our highest highest level our cream of the crop needs something different to challenge them at even higher levels yeah. so as a community you know um it's not going to be one thing that fixes this and you know the, the sad part too man is is that like like I was a smart kid I was like one of the smartest kids in my school but they just let me be smart they didn't challenge me to do shit it just was like, oh, you're the smartest kid. We're going to brag on you, pat you on the head, double promote you. And that was it. They didn't put me, you know, in in, in accelerated classes yeah. or no shit like that. They just let me be smarter than everybody else until I was no longer smarter than everybody else. And that's when I when I went to college, I realized, yeah, yeah bro, like it takes a lot more up to being smart than it is just natural intelligence. They're not teaching us good study habits and teaching us about life. You know, no, no, the whole system shouldn't teach everything. But I didn't need to learn trigonometry in in, in high school. I didn't. One of the key components, though, that you that you point out is meeting the needs of every learner and everybody's needs are different. And there's some who need to be challenged on a different level. There's some who know exactly what they want to tap into. They want to tap into business. They want to tap into real estate. There's some kids who already know how to make money. You know, those are things that, that need to be tapped into, but things won't change unless our community really looks at the needs of those Mm -hmm. around us and the needs of our unique unique populations yeah and it's hard to convince somebody like like i'm I'm damn near 50 my kids grown like i don't give a shit about your kids no more because my kids ain't in there and i i, I need to i had to remind myself to not be that way yeah. because that's not helping i'm part of the problem i can't i understand what you're saying it, it's hard to really stress over that when when you you at the stage that you're at i get i I get it yeah selfishly you know it's like i I did my job i did what i was supposed to i shouldn't have to worry about x y and z but you know that's 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 not being selfish enough for my grandkids because now i'm not thinking about them to be quite honest and you know um joe clark said it um a lot of people don't get to go back to his actual interviews but he has an interview with Arsenio Hall where he was breaking down how the system was broken. And he broke, said this in the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. And you captured that, that uh, the, the rooftop. That's a fucking dope ass song, too, bro. That, that I rooftop appreciate it, man. Oh, my God. And and who is that doing the videos? VZ? Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Vizzy Beats. Um, he actually mastered the whole project. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the musical work um, is based on um, 
I, two collaborations, um, Sober Sobe, um, mm-hmm. who's my partner, who executive produced it along with Vizzy. Well, Vizzy did a lot of the compositions. So I would bring, if I brought him a sample, I brought mm-hmm. in additional instruments. He was able to really break that stuff down, mix it, getting everything sounding correct. And he's largely responsible for the sound. But in us creating the sound together, we came up with the visuals together. Um, and that was actually one of my former students from Bassett, who we had to be on um, a high school I taught at, mm-hmm. who played the role of Sam's. Mm, that's dope. That is very dope. Any any aspirations to to go higher than Bridgeport as far as in in like a, a Steve Perry, so to speak? Definitely, man. That's I mean, that's ultimately where I'm trying to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to take it beyond um, Bridgeport, Connecticut. That's that's the ultimate goal. You know, I really want to take it beyond here. I so definitely want to be superintendent. You know, um. It doesn't have to be that, you know, it doesn't have to be those roles within the system. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see, you know, what opens up. I think um, I am uniquely different in terms of what I tap into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to see what opens up right now. I am with a very, very strong team at Harding high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like a lot of people feel like you have to have your mindset has to be on a higher position on the next, but I'm not saying that I'm comfortable. I'm saying I'm in a good position to change right. where I'm working with a unit that's committed to a certain level of change mm-hmm. and providing a certain level of stability to the community. Um, so I think I'm in a good spot right now, but I, do want to get the message out nationally and expand my work. So I'm, I'm still thinking about the next wave, a way to do it, you know, but there, there's, there's few, a few things that I do have in mind. Have you written the book yet? I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. Strictly about education. Well, you know, um, not to give it away too much. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I can break it. My my path was I started at the lowest position you could start at in education, um, which is a paraprofessional. Mm-hmm. So my my journey is is really about steps towards leadership and what it takes to get to levels of leadership, what it takes to elevate yourself and what motivation that you have to have to take things to the next level. So my story beyond education. Um, is a story of really elevating, taking the lessons that you learn on every level to prepare you. Um, and it's also what I talked about early. It is really important that you tap into your strengths, that you're yeah. really in tune with what your gifts are and where you would be effective because time is really what you want to capture and maximize. Um, so it's not only about education, but it's a journey into leadership and community activism and the challenges that you have to face to cultivate your own leadership. That's a lot of work, bro. Uh, and, and 
and I'm echoing uh, Xavier. Uh, that's, that's that's the homie right there. But she she wants to thank you for your service. Um, so I, I, def I definitely agree with that, Senator. I appreciate it. I I greatly appreciate it. You know, and if nobody else has told you, bro, I'm proud of you. Thank you, man. I I really appreciate that. Well, you know what? We got we got to as brothers, we got to let each other know. Because if you stepped on my shoe, I'd be pissed at you. <laughs> you know, so why, why can't I give you your flowers? Thank you. Um, Thank let you. me see. Uh, and I'm just kind of going through some of the comments and seeing if we got any other questions. Um, somebody wanted to know if you were bullied growing up. Not sure. Bully? Bully. Nah, you know. You're a big dude. Like, I don't see yeah. that happening. Nah, I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't bullied, but one thing that my father did uh, for us, um, my father pastored on the east end of Bridgeport, which is one of the worst, worst sides of town mm -hmm. um, in the city. And my father made us take the bus from the other side of town to meet him at his church. But in that time, I grew up on the east end in the uh, Raffola Taylor Community Center. Um, and I was just around you know, some of the most difficult situations, but you learn mm -hmm. how to socially survive. You know, that that's not, that's why I met El Dorado, you know? Um, so I wasn't bullied, you know, I wasn't bullied. Um, but my, my bloodline is that of warriors. So, you know, so that, like that yeah. So there is, there's <laughs> warrior in me, but I also know how to maneuver and handle myself. Okay, um, top MCs and producers growing up. Um, top MCs for me, um, Nas, Common, um, KRS One was one of my favorites growing up. Rakim, um, Kane, um, but really, you know, some of the greatest influences for me um, musically, mm -hmm. um, Nas and Common um, are two. Just the storytelling, the musical progression. Those are two, you know, top two um, on my list. And currently, um, it's it's kind of like a curveball for people, but Rick Ross is always high on my list. Just Rick for Ross is dope. Yeah, just just for his his musical work and how he branded a sound. Yeah. So he's he's always been one of my favorites, you know. There's uh, nobody that picks beats perfectly for them like Rick Ross. Nah, there's no one. And the there's musicality, no oh my God. Like, yeah. like people, people for some reason, people get caught up on the he was a, a prison guard. So it's okay to be talking about niggas killing niggas, but you can't have actually had a job. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Although, like, my taste in hip hop is way more gully like like i'm listening to snoop oh that yeah. album the new the algorithm is phenomenal oh no no, no. i'm talking about real oh no. like, like yeah like, no nah, yeah, honestly what i listen to regularly is all griselda griselda's fire that, that's when, all when I, they're I, together like i don't yeah. i'm not really a fan of them none of them like solo yeah but together um, Oh my god. Yeah. A lot of the Griselda stuff, Ransom continues to drop good stuff. Um that's pretty much it, you know. 
Um, Production-wise, I got to tap into the production, though, because I know um, that question was asked. You got um, Jay Dilla is one of my favorite producers. Um, Classic. You got Primo, but I, I love Alchemist. I would um, take Alchemist over Primo. Yeah, I love Alchemist. Um, who else can I tap into on the... One of my favorite produced albums, though, um, is the D'Angelo Voodoo album. That's like one of the best produced albums, um, just in terms of the, the, the live quality sound. Um, who else do I tap into now? As far as like product, produced albums, uh, Tribe Called Quest got a couple. Tribe is definitely, yeah, they, you know, Q-Tip, I got to put in there too, because yeah, it's ridiculous. He, he did most of that work. You know, um, the documentary shows how unselfish he was because he's he's like a Q-tip is a genius, man. Just an absolute, absolute genius uh, with the production. OK, and just, oh, just a, I gotta add, a lot of people don't know about him, but not Knott's from Virginia. OK, he, yeah, I heard him. He's one of the he's 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 one of the best. And shout out to one of my my producers growing up sober so bay i gotta shout him out because our sound some of the stuff that we do um mm-hmm. we we fed off of each other with kanye is fucking dope too um no, and i'm not yeah. give i'm not giving black thought any credit ever on this show i am not a black thought fan no asshole you yes. know let me tell I you met that I guy he's a complete moron you know, he he embarrassed. One of my friends was one of the biggest thought fans. He may be mad at me for telling this story. Mm-hmm. So we go, we went to Yukon to hear Black Thought. Mm-hmm. My team went to Yukon, and he's like a fan from the first album. So he's telling uh Black Thought, you know, perform silent treatment. He says this in the middle of every set he's asking thought to do silent treatment so every time it gets quiet my boy is yelling this but this is showing he's a core fan you know what i mean because this is from the first album after the fourth time thought told him over the mic to shut the f up and my boy like this (laughs) this, and i know he's gonna be i don't want to but this was one and he was real i mean he told him, brother, would you shut the F up? I said, oh, man. Much as I can't stand Black Thought, I kind of agree with him on that one. You no, know, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't want you screaming at me like in the middle of the show, like repeatedly. Like, I got it. I hate to say this, but the, the, the worst rappers to meet were the conscious rappers, except Dead Prez. Except for Dead Prez, who was just awesome to meet. Me and Kwali and me and Most Deaf was just like, I mean, I, I mean, I met them at a time where I met Ja Rule when Ja Rule was six times platinum Ja Rule. And Ja Rule, we used to do a DVD. He was, he was, he was, he was down to do whatever we needed him to do. Mm-hmm. And those two guys would not give me a drop. 
I asked them both for a drop. They wouldn't give me a drop. I'm so not surprised by those two. Most deaf looked at me like I was from another planet. I said, you know. I'm not, I'm just not surprised. And I'm a huge fan of Tali Kwali, like the, the, the interviewer. Yeah. You know, I think he does great interviews. But he like his his social media persona is that of an nah, extreme he's, asshole. You know, my boy, I got a friend. Shout out to Los from Los Angeles. And when I was at Quinnipiac, he used to do a big college radio show. Mm-hmm. So he asked Kwali for a radio drop, and Kwali says, "Well, um, I hope you don't play uh, no bullshit on your show." He said, "Well, we mostly play your music, so you decide." <laughs> <laughs> So I said that, that was that was I a like good that. response. Yes, I like that. But yeah. I, I I um I went to the Roots. They had like a a meet and greet here in Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is years ago, and so I go down there. Um, and the rest of the Roots are like in regular, just regular street clothes. You could you wouldn't even know them without if you didn't see uh, Questlove's Afro, you wouldn't know who the hell they were really down-to-earth cats talking to everybody interactive and here comes black thought like a half an hour late with a, a eighty thousand dollar fur on with some super bimbo-ish looking young lady on his arm and with the biggest hollywood attitude like bro like, you're not that big of a you're not a star bro like you you a mid-major like you you're yeah. not you're not the big 10 bro i'm sorry but you the mac like I like y'all music, but you ain't in the spot to be acting like that, Hollywood. And he was just a complete asshole. You know, it, it's I've hard. never forgotten that. Yeah, it, some people, you know, those encounters just change how you hear the music too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't listen to that shit no more. I that and this was like I don't know twenty years ago. I still don't like that cat. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would not. Mm-mm. Somebody would have to pay me to get him on the fucking show. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Nah, I feel, um, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. I feel if people you. want to get in touch with you, how do they do that, bro? Um, Vernon S. Thompson is my Instagram. That's my Twitter. And then Vernon S. Thompson um, on Facebook. Um, Instagram is one of the best modes that, that hit me on. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook also. But Vernon S. Thompson on Instagram, Vernon S. Thompson on Twitter. Uh, follow me. I'll follow you back. Um, what's important to me is connecting with those who have connected with the things that I'm doing. Um, so um, reach out to me on those platforms. And if they want to uh, check out the Joe Clark tape, where would they do that? Oh, now, the Joe Clark tape, um, Vernon Thompson on all streaming platforms. The Joe Clark tape is there. Um, you can stream it on every streaming platform that's out. Um, Vernon Thompson, the Joe Clark tape. And y'all make sure y'all go check out the Joe Clark tape. Like that is, it is a beautiful, cohesive body of work. And no, it is hip hop at its apex. And I'm not just saying that because he is on the show. Because if I thought it was ass, I just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I <laughs> I'm telling you I'll the truth, bro. It. This shit's dope, though, bro. Um, and it, it. Uh, it, this has been an honor, though, bro. We we definitely gonna Thank have to do this again. It's been an honor, you know. I I knew about you before you knew about me, so 
you know, it, it's great um, to get this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. That's crazy, man. I, I, I've never, what a, I've ne- that, that's just fucking my head up right there. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, um, shout out to everybody in the chat room, Mr. and Mrs. Turner. What's up, guy? Uh, Simon, that's pretty dope. Uh, Xavier. Simon, man. Simon is a brilliant brother. Peace to him and his beautiful family. Shout out to you. I'm, uh, it's unfortunate that you like the roots, but shout out to you, Jay Diller for life. And you know the sad part about Jay Diller, man. I'm born and raised in Detroit, man. And Detroit did not have love for Jay Diller until he died. Yeah. Myself included. Like, I had no clue. Because he wasn't a typical Detroit cat. Like, yeah. his music was was too around, uh, you know, uh, uh, a tribe called Quest. And not enough, uh, like like flashy Biggie type shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, man, that dude. Shout out to Frank Nitt for keeping his 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 uh legacy alive too. Yeah, yeah. That guy's put in a lot of work. Um, other than that, man. Um, again, I want to say thank you, and shout out to everybody in the chat. And you got a beautiful family too, by the way. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. No, man, you definitely got to acknowledge that, man. Um. We don't, we don't, we don't celebrate our families enough. Yeah, thank God uh, for a beautiful family, beautiful wife, and having two. I got a boy and a girl, um, a son and my daughter, man, and I'm blessed to have them. Oh my God, but I got grandkids, man. It's crazy. It's a blessing, man. Oh my God, I didn't think I, I, I didn't think this, this shit through. Uh, let's see, if he don't even recognize Jay Dilla. Oh man, that's horrible, man. You got uh Mr. and Mrs. Turnup. You, you you really gotta look him up. Yeah, Black Father's Rise. Anyway, on, on that note, man, we're gonna close it out for the for the evening. I want to say thank you to y'all for tuning in and do us a favor and like the episode and subscribe to the channel and all that nice shit and share the show. Um, on that note, man, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to Mr. Vernon Thompson. Thank you, man. And we will be out of here. Oh, snap. Uh, if I can uh, actually get back to StreamYard, because apparently I didn't close it out. And I am telling you. All right.